Welcome to Slightly Unmeditated, a casual talk podcast about the WTFs of spirituality, self-improvement, and motivation with a lifelong delusional optimist who used to suck at meditation. I'm Tisha, and Kim is back. I am here. (laughs) Yay! I am happy to be with you, and this is an interesting topic. Yeah, so you sent me a text the other day that you were super excited, your energy was high, and your channel was clear. And I was like, oh, how's about that? (laughs) Yeah, it was fleeting. (laughs) Yeah. So post-COVID, I'm having a few ups and downs, energy-wise. But um, I think that this, you know, what we're going to talk about today is a really cool topic. It's a very timely topic. And it can get a lot of people, including myself, thinking about how to harness the power of this. Yeah. So what we're talking about is I watched the documentary, The Minimalists, Less is Now. And it was on Netflix when I watched it. And it actually has a couple of synchronicities for me. Um, One is the stories that were told in in throughout the documentary, I could relate to those stories. Um, and also in the last few years, I've talked about this before, but I have this very strong urge probably in the last two years to like purge everything, to get rid of stuff. I've actually had to, I've come to odds with some of my family about why are you throwing that away? Why are you selling that? And, um, even in those conversations, we would have that like, well, what are you going to do with it? You know, and as soon as you ask that question, they're like, yeah, you're right. It's probably just going to sit there on the floor or something. You know, <laughs> like the realization that their gut reaction was like, no, no, don't get rid of it. But they're when they stopped and paused for a second and thought about it and said, yeah, you're right. I probably don't need that. Right, because it's like you hang on to it, but if you didn't want to hang on to it, somebody else is like, oh, I don't want to put it in my house. Exactly. Precisely. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's always that first gut reaction that I feel, I already feel coming from some things, you know, like we had 90 board games, you know, we don't even play all of them, you know. And uh, it was the, I think, the memories attached to that. Oh, well, we played that when we were on vacation. And, you know, a lot of that yeah. kind of. One of the things that stuck, struck me is when it said the average household has over 300,000 things in it. The average household, 300,000 things. Yeah. And when I look in my utensil drawer and I look in my closets, I go, Yep, that sounds like a good number. Yeah. <laughs> or not a good number, but an apt number. Like, it sounds accurate, but not necessary. And sometimes I I feel like I'm middle of the road. I'm bad for some things. I'm an absolute hoarder of clothes and shoes yeah. and purses. Those types of things that I can put in a closet and stuff it to the gills. And that's the stuff that I will buy more of. But then some things like utensils, I don't want every gadget. Like, you know, I I know people who are way better cooks than me. So it makes sense that they would appreciate those gadgets. 
You know, the, but it's like, I do not want a special gadget for everything. Like I want to pair apples with a paring knife. I want to chop garlic with a paring knife, that same paring knife. So like there's some things that I feel like I'm good in a minimalist way and some things I'm horrid at in terms of like another one is I, I will take people's hand-me-downs, like if it's furniture Instead mm-hmm. of maybe go buy some new furniture, my mom has a real decor- decorating um, taste. So I've gotten a lot of really good stuff because it was just like, I'm changing this, I'm redecorating this. Um, so in that way, I'm probably pretty frugal mm. and still, uh, you know, frugal with the decorating, but having it still look nice. Yeah. Well, in years prior, I also was, we better keep this in case we need it someday. And then immediately when I got rid of it, I needed it. So I learned that lesson young and kept a lot of things. Um, But then I think that there was a real turning point when you have to clean out a relative's house. And I've done three in the last five years. Unbelievable. That I think would be life changing. I have to say, I have to say I'm blessed that I have not had to do that yet. Yeah. In my and life. it's insane because like, especially in my grandmother's house, I only wanted the very small things that I remember that, that spark a childhood memory for me. And they're a little weird things that I have. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, but then you get kind of hoisted on by a family members. Well, here, keep all this. And, you know, so I have totes in the basement that I'm like, I, d- I don't even know what to do with this stuff. Right. Um, stuff like that has been hard, but I think the more you have to go through it and the more like overwhelmed you realize stuff is, the less you tend to keep stuff. Right. Yeah, I would think the the having to go through someone else's stuff after their passing would be really eye-opening because of the level of overwhelm and it's emotional, but yet what do I do with it and finding places and then as you're doing that you realize how much work it is and then more of a mind that you don't want to do that to someone else. And they even said that, I think it was Joshua. So in the documentary, Joshua and Ryan, two friends, they both have their own story around this. And that was Joshua's story was losing his mom and going to her apartment even and realizing how much she had in the apartment. Yeah. I think he said it was like a one bedroom apartment with 35 years of of stuff. Yeah. So, yeah, the story follows Ryan and Josh. They were friends since little kids. And um, Josh became more minimalist, got dealing with all that stuff with his mom. And then his friend kind of came into it later. But it was all surrounded by the concept of happiness. When they were kids, they grew up poor. So they were... um always sort of fantasizing about how do we get stuff? How do we not live like this? And so I think Ryan's dad, one day when he was a teenager said that, well, if you want to 
they were painting a house and, and he was like, what do I need to make to buy a house like this? So his dad said, $50,000, you could probably have this house. So that was like their goal. That was like their end game. That's what they did. They grew up, they got sales jobs, made $50,000 and realized like, well, well, we're still not happy. Like we're, we still, we can't afford all this stuff. And then they forgot to adjust for inflation. So they got more money and promotions and did all this, you know, work that it didn't really seem to satisfy their life, but it was affording them the cars and the clothes and the house and everything they wanted. And um, long and short of it, then once Josh went minimalist, he obviously had a, a very different demeanor to where his friend you know, was like, what? why are you so happy? How are you so happy? And then that's how they kind of got into doing the minimalist stuff together and started talking about, it. I think they did a blog or something back, back in the day. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And the um, simple life, you know, yeah. kind of reconnecting with the simple life. Do I need this? No. And actually Joshua was helping Ryan. So after he had already pared down his own house because he went through a divorce and then pared down his deceased mother's, um, apartment. It was Ryan that said to him, Hey, you seem happier. And what's going on? How do I do this? And they just packed up his whole apartment or house and put every single thing in boxes. And then were very intentional about what they took out. And then only what you took out in a certain time period, did you keep? 21 days it was. And he said at the end of 21 days, he still had 80% of his stuff boxed up. And I think about that, like they do those tips for your closet, hang, hang hangers backwards um, until you use it. And then anything, you know, after six months or whatever, that's still backwards, get rid of it. And I mean, they're great tips, but like people were for, for just staying organized, but people that were interviewed in the documentary were all amazed at the life changing sort of experience that they had going through this. And everybody admitted it was kind of hard at first, but then they gained that momentum once they started realizing like, God, I feel free. (laughs) And then they, you know, just kept purging and purging more of their stuff. Um, they talk a lot too about how in the beginning, and this made me think of you too, about we talk about the social media pressure and the marketing obviously is highly intelligent and designed to hook us. But essentially that the issue is that stuff is just taking the place of the things. Uh, stuff is just taking place of the things that actually bring us happiness, you know, connection, uh, community, purpose all of that stuff. And I got to thinking about that too, as far as like keeping your channel clear. Um, When there is a lot of clutter, do you feel like this? When there's a lot of clutter in your space, can you think clearly? Yeah, I can. Um, (laughs) Or I used to be able to. And so it's probably something I have to be way more intentional these days than I used to be. Um, I could think anywhere and, (laughs) and I'm finding that that's not the case. 
I do remember though, I had the personal experience when, you know, after my sister passed away, which was five years after my son had passed away, I wanted to be present for my surviving son who was 13 and my baby nephew who had just lost his mother. So that required me going back and forth between New York and Connecticut. And I resigned from a job. And I remember thinking very clearly that, you know, you just end up spending more money because that's how you justify working so hard and so long and, and the success. And then even, you know, when in Rome. So if you're working in business and even in the documentary, you could kind of see it like they're wearing suits. It's like when in Rome, you can, then you kind of have to, you know, I know some people in certain industries, it's like, guess what? Surprise, surprise, they drive a BMW because there's kind of an unwritten expectation that things look a certain way. And it's important to peel the layers on that because there is, I do think that we spend because we can, and we do think it's, it's feeling a heartache that we might have about working so hard or so long or not, not having the relationships or do you really need this stuff? We are being bombarded with marketing so much and it is actually starting to just be exhausting in and of itself. So yeah. I started noticing it. And then when we watched that, it was nice to see that justified that like everybody's trying to sell you something. Yeah. And they they called it deficit marketing. It's that per, the intention of making us feel inadequate if we don't have it. And that's what a lot of the people were saying. We're just bombarded with it every day. You're not enough. Your body's not enough. Your car's not enough. Your clothes aren't enough, you know. And I think perhaps because I already live kind of simply anyway, I don't, I started losing interest in just walking around a store for the, for the point of walking around a store. You know, I Wait, used to do that enjoyment. a lot. With my, yeah, I used to do that a lot with my mom. We'd go on a weekend somewhere and go, you know, walk around and look at stuff. And and perhaps that's one of the reasons why it lost its luster for me. Um, but then, kind of staying out of the stores when you go in there, it's like overstimulation. It's mm -hmm. like I want to get out of there as fast as possible. And I think that was a natural progression also into wanting me to get rid of all of this stuff because, you know, learning all the things I've learned over the last few years, that that connection and that self-improvement and all that stuff kind of became top seat, you know, and I really didn't want to do any of the rest of the stuff. Yeah, you realize the stuff is more stuff. It's easier to buy it. The buying of it is the excitement. Then where do you put it? Where does it go? And can you let go of the other decor? Say it's a throw pillow, right? Can you get rid of another throw pillow? If it's a lamp, did you get rid of another lamp? And uh, I know people who are really good about if something new comes in, something old goes out. Um, yeah. Or sometimes, you know, recently, I would say my recent shopping things are candles and notebooks, and I consume both of them. So yeah. <laughs> those are things I will literally burn like that scented candle down all the way. And I will literally fill and write in that notebook. Um, and so I've been trying to be a lot more intentional. 
the clothes, I I have a problem. I have a problem. Well, it's easy to, it's easy to understand why too, because like for me, it's hard to find clothes anyway. And then if I find something that fits, you know, I always should have bought five just so I have them, you know, but I really haven't even bought clothes in so long that now I'm like, oh. I don't want to have to go buy clothes because it's such a process. Well, and the interesting thing is he talked about his mother having winter coats in Florida. Like she Mm -hmm. didn't let go of them. I might need these again. And what if I don't have money for them? And I think that's sometimes the trap. And I personally have cursed the trap of the four seasons is that if you have a bit of a fashion sense, it's like you need the spring coats, the raincoat, the winter coat, the, I mean, we have different seasons. I have boots for fall and, and I have boots for winter and, and boots when it's really snowing and boots to be decorative, to dress up. And, and I, uh, my mother has all those things too, but she seems to enjoy organizing them more than I do. And I've created kind of a lazy system for myself with different closets so that it's like the summer, spring and the winter, fall. But in general, the older I get, the more I'm like, if I could just, you know, have a simple set, I think back to my late sister um, was so good. She liked high-end things that fit exactly right. And she was great at having a very um, orderly and light closet. Yeah. And I am the, this is a bargain, and that's a bargain, and this is a bargain. And uh, well, this is that color, and that color, and this color. You know, I have so much variety that I really need to rein in. And uh, the one th- which reminds me, so the junk drawer, isn't that the word that you have a hard time saying? <laughs> yeah, say the drunk drawer. <laughs> the drunk drawer. <laughs> the junk drawer, uh-huh. I, I wrote down a quote he said, the ju- his junk drawer shed their adjective. The junk drawers shed their adjectives, meaning they were no longer junk. Right. They were a drawer with specific things you might need. And that... I find that uh, my husband, Dave, is good at clearing those out, and I'm yeah. never good at it. I'm just – anything that I can close <laughs> is – that's a huge weakness for me, if I can hide it. Yeah. Well, I think, you know, on, on the other side of the clothes story, there were a lot of people in the documentary who were lamenting their spending – over overspending and that things would you know make them so happy in the beginning until they got the bill and then it was guilt and shame and you know not even worried about keeping it organized in their closet it was immediate regret you know of how do i why do i keep doing this you know and for a lot of those people it was just a cycle that they seemed unable to break until they traveled this path Well, there was one woman who said such a wonderful thing about one of the angles of that being a trap is that we find ourselves in the trap of trying to buy our way out of hard things. And she used a perfect example of getting her baby to sleep. 
And because it was hard to get the baby to sleep, you know, may have been colicky or cranky. It was this baby holder and that baby seat and this and trying to buy the perfect thing to get the baby to sleep. And it's like, we don't, I've often thought about that with baby equipment. This is a huge trap. Like back in the day, we didn't have people, human beings, not we, but like, because I feel like it's always been a lot of stuff in my lifetime, but you didn't need all the stuff. And we have, it's really good, good marketing and commerce. I mean, it's consumerism to have uh, so many millions of things. And some of it's convenient, but some of it just clutters your house. Too many toys for kids, too many pieces of equipment for babies. Yeah, I I actually had a bit of minimalist uh, attitude when I had mine. And I, I would hate when I would get I mean, I was grateful for it, but I would hate when I would get so much stuff that I knew I was never going to use because I would feel guilty. Like, what do I do? You know, you have infant stuff with tags still on it and things. And then I would feel guilty because I had to get rid of it because they didn't wear it fast enough or grew out of it. You know, it's it is a trap in that way. Um in in some ways. And I mean, I guess that's why they have registries and stuff now to be a little bit more specific about what you could use and what you can't. But it's a fine line because you don't want to offend people who are being generous to you. But at the same time, you're like, oh my God, 75 teddy bears. What am I going to do? And even just thinking of a registry in general and not to knock anyone getting married, But if someone's been living together and they set up a household and they own a home, a bridal shower is redundant, but it's nice. You know, it's a nice thing for your friends to give you gifts, but is that just another consumer mechanism? You, The whole purpose of that was so it helps poor people, poor young people set up a house. And if you're not poor and young... Do you need other people buying you sheets and towels and thing equipment for the, you know, isn't that just lending itself to more, more, more stuff in that that's going to stuff up your house? Yeah. And I've noticed people get offended, too, if people, you know, people try to, um, you know, hand down pots and pans or something. Let's just keep it easy right Right. and you're like no i really don't but they're good quality and you could you know i've had relatives like that where they just kind of want to hoist it all to keep it in the family or something and and i have to be like no i don't i don't want to have to dust this or figure out where to put it things and somebody else in the world might appreciate it and it's finding those places and in our modern suburbs sometimes it's hard to find those places Because they're overloaded and they start to feel like junk shops because people are just ditching everything out of their houses that are overflowing there as well sometimes. So it does, it does shed light on how we are. I don't know. In there was a really good point too that we are finding ourselves often depressed because we keep getting more of the wrong thing. We're we're buying to try and get a feeling that doesn't last when we're buying a thing. Right. Yeah. I, 
I can understand that. Like I, you know, you still go into a store and be like, Oh, I really want that. You know, in your mind, you're thinking that. And then you have to do, give yourself the talk. But do you, do you really want that? Do you need that? Right. Um, there is sort of a deflate there. And I think that's where awareness comes into play, where I can know that I'll walk away and in five minutes I'll have forgotten it and I will turn out, I will be fine. Right. Right. Um, but I think I'm starting to get spiritated by a lot of stuff around me. I'm starting to have that. Uh, a couple of months ago, I talked about how I had a yard sale and, you know, I got rid of a lot of stuff. And honestly, I don't even remember what I got rid of. I remember it was painstaking at the time. But I remember also looking around going, oh, my gosh, there's nothing in the room. Like, I felt so good about that. Um, and that, that kind of motivated me to keep doing it. You know, their suggestion to do, to, to, to try minimalism for 30 days to get started was to remove one thing a day for 30 days. They also talked about doing like on day one, get rid of one thing on day two, get rid of two things on day three. Get Yeah. yeah. So I, that's been, for the real ambitious. Yeah, right. I've been slowly doing that, actually. Like, I'll notice a a little drawer by my bedside table I haven't looked in in, since 1974. And I'll go through there and clean that out. And and just little things like that. I'm amazed at even the smallest things, uh, the smallest spaces that I clear, like how much better I feel. It's like like a step to freedom or something. Yeah, the common areas in my house, I've done a great job. Like there was, you know, used to be tons of pictures and frames on shelves. And a while back, I'd gone through and made it very, very minimalist in its appearance of what was displayed in the common areas. But like I said, the office, I could definitely tackle my office. There's a lot, there's books that that huge bookshelf that we use the picture of for off the shelf. I mean, there's more books I need to give away. Um, I should pare down there. I think I, I, that's a lot of my clutter. I have a lot of books. I think mine is photo albums because that's mm-hmm. a hard one. You know, I don't know what to do with those photo albums. You know, I did find a good, because I, I was someone who took tons of photos back when we, had cameras. Um, yeah, cameras. And you did the film developing. So I have a lot of, I took an Ottoman bench and I put them all in that and a couple on that bookshelf kind of low. And because that is something I, I did have a closet stuffed of all those photo albums and you rarely look at, you can digitize. Um, and I have taken a lot of pictures of pictures, you know, on my cell phone. I've taken a lot of pictures of the, um, the pictures, but I still haven't gotten rid of those pictures. Right. Yeah. I thought about what I did was I had a couple of uh, albums from my teenage years and I took out any pictures that meant anything and I just threw yeah. away everything well, else. Good for you. And I won't even remember what was in there. So. Mm-hmm. You know, I figure that's yeah, okay good too. Good for you. Yeah. Good for you. Yeah. So simplifying life gives us more time for relationships, creativity, all of this stuff. And I think 
you know, maybe if you're feeling stuck in, or at least it helped me when I was feeling a little stuck and not sure what to do. I do like to organize. It is sort of meditative for me to do that. And I think when I started getting rid of stuff, I realized pretty quickly how good it felt. And then, you know, and in an ongoing effort to keep my channel clear, I like to, you know, talk about different ways that we can do that instead of, you know, the traditional spiritual ways that we always talk about, right? Yeah, this one's a little more on the practical side, but it has an effect. And if we think about it, inflation and things are so expensive. I'm even thinking a little bit more minimalist food wise, uh, just eating less and making sure that I don't just automatically go to the grocery store every day on a certain day of the week, just because that's what I always did. It's like, do we really need that food? Am I, you know, if it's just Dave and I, and right. so there's not, and we both try and not eat too much. So it's, we need it to be light. It's not like I'm cooking all the time and we're even more intentional about that. And then even composting, Dave's been doing that. And, you know, thinking about all these avenues to less and less waste because, you know, all the packaging too, they didn't really talk about that, but that's something I think about a lot. All the packaging that we throw out because of what our purchases came in. Right. It's a lot insane. of that too. A lot yeah. of that. But yeah, it was definitely eye opening. Um, but something we all know. I think if you watch the documentary, you realize that it's, it's something we know inside. We don't need all this stuff. We're doing it because we're falling for the, if I have this, it'll make me better. It'll make me whole. It'll make me look better, be better, you know? Yeah. No, that happens on the inside, not the outside. And I think there's always going to be that drive to keep up with the Joneses in some capacity. Um, and I'm glad that I'm aware of it because now it makes it so obvious in other people, right? Like you can kind of take a step back and say, you know, I probably don't need to do all of that stuff because they don't seem very happy even though they've done it, you know? Yeah. One thing I feel I can support is my husband was very conservative. So it kind of kept me in check. I have to give him more credit. Not that I would have overextended, but I, it kept us below our income. And I think subconsciously people think they need to spend their income and they don't need to. Dave Ramsey was in this documentary, yeah. by the yeah. way, too. So he's like the debt-free living advice yeah. on how to be financially secure. And there is no better well-being feeling than that, too. So it's like being mindful of the trap when you are feeling like you're getting something and are you, 
you know, just paying for a piece of it, because ultimately, that might add to stress later, too. So like that is a way that I think a lot of minimalists, the the real, real benefit to someone is when you are, get conscious about that so that you don't go out ahead of yourself, and then you're paying payments later on stuff when you've decided to be, you know, more frugal, and more minimalist, but you're still back paying on the right. thing that you may have even given away or it broke. Something you don't have, right, exactly. Something that's under a kitchen cabinet and you've forgotten about because it's the latest gadget, you know. And we see all those gadgets all the time. I mean, I get drawn into it just as much as anyone where I'm like, oh, wow, that's amazing. <laughs> I have to, no, no, I don't need that. Um, now, I wasn't like that always, for sure just in the last few years is that natural urge sort of been becoming stronger and stronger. Like, I don't want this, throw it away, get it. I need clear, you know, like a clear space. And I believe it was Dave Ramsey said that a lot of people were, you know, mistaken the American dream, the concept of the American dream and what the real American dream is, is freedom and yeah. freedom from stuff is probably a good start. Right. And that one guy got choked up even. When he oh, talked yeah. about the storage unit and he was a little, little older, like in his sixties mm -hmm. and you could feel it. It was palpable like that. The realization that that's not, you know, our love, that's not our sense of well being in that stuff in the waste. And when he realized that and felt more free, right? We were buying stuff because that seems like the American dream, but the real American dream is freedom. And our stuff shouldn't be ruling us. Yeah. And um, I think there are other minimalist blogs. And I think that was the origin story for one that I had read too, was I found myself with my son in the garage, organizing all our stuff that we never used. Right. You know, the bikes, the helmets, the, the toys and that we never used it, but it was always something that needed to be rearranged. Yeah. Over and over dusting the same thing that you never touch a hundred times. Yeah. It, it started making less and less sense to me. And, um, you know, it's really, it felt good to move that, that energy out of my house in those tubs and say, here, you guys take it. You know, I don't even remember the things that I sold, which is really helpful to me because I'm not, gee, I wish I hadn't gotten rid of that. You know, I, I can't think of a time I've ever had that experience. And the memories of things are really in our head. And so being mindful, if it's a photo in a photo album that you want to keep versus uh, a souvenir from a trip. Like, do you need the souvenir or do you have the memory? Right. You know, what, which one, you know, do you keep or do you even digitize the, all the photos? Is that something that, you know, ultimately probably I would imagine the older I get might be the thing to do. Yeah. Well, I guess we'll, we'll make it a short one. I yeah, know. this kind of, you know, it's now in everyone else's hands. Like, what does it mean to you? And uh, how might it free you? So yeah, we keep, your, we keep keeping your channel clear, right? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Well, we hope you've learned a little something about yourself and feel inspired to keep learning. New episodes of Slightly Unmeditated drop every other Thursday, wherever you get your favorite podcasts. 
please give us a five-star rating wherever you listen, share the podcast with other people, and visit us at slightlyunmeditated.com. So thank you so much for listening. And remember, we're all still a little slightly unmeditated.